The Extra Pack of Peanuts Travel Podcast, Episode 131. On October 1st, the Chinese national holiday, over 8 million people visited the Great Wall of China. What? Is that all? Hello, travel nerds, and welcome to the Extra Pack of Peanuts Travel Podcast, the show that teaches you how to travel more while spending less. I'm your host, Travis Sherry, and joining me today is the first person that I know of that is drinking wine while recording an Extra Pack of Peanuts podcast, my wife and constant travel companion, Heather. Hey, Heath, what are you drinking there? I am drinking my favorite red wine, which is Red Knot, an Australian Shiraz. And I think it's pretty well-deserved because I didn't drink very much while we were traveling in Asia because wine is insanely expensive there. Heather did a really nice thing while we were traveling in Asia, and that was curb her wine enthusiasm (laughs) because of my frugality. That's when you know you have true love when someone can give up wine. We... There was a time you bought a bo- one bottle of wine in Thailand, but it was the cheapest one. It was still like $15, and this in a country when you can get an amazing lunch for $1. I, I really appreciate it. You even drank some beer because it was cheaper here. Yeah, no problem. So Just taking one for the team, you know. Yeah, so well-deserved well here with the Red Knot. I'm sure others have drank on the EPOP podcast and might have even drank wine. I just could never tell on <laughs> Skype or they were hiding it from me. But here, Heather's sitting right next to me with a big glass of Red Knot wine. And, and in my defense, it's not like it's 10 o'clock in the morning. What time is it? It yeah. is 8.45 p.m. So... Right. If you're listening to this in your car in the morning, you're thinking... I'm not an alcoholic Whoa, or anything. Whoa. Just remember, <laughs> this is not live when you're listening to it necessarily. So... Guys, we're really excited about this episode. This will be part two of our top 14 travel experiences of 2014. If you missed part one, we we discussed you know our first seven. So how we broke this down was we each picked seven experiences to make up our top 14. So we gave you numbers 14 through seven in essence in part one. And if you missed that, Really fun episode. It was really cool to reminisce about all the crazy stuff that we've done this year. And we, like we said in that episode, we tried to tell stories in this one. I think we do that throughout all our podcasts, but this one especially, try to maybe make you feel like you were there with us and kind of really delve deep into what made it a great experience versus just saying, well, we went to this place. Yeah, absolutely. And it's really fun for us to kind of reminisce because, you know, like I said in the last one, it's coming up to the end of the year. We just got back from a trip, but we kind of forgot what we did 10 and 11 months ago because we've traveled so much this year. Not to rub it in, but you can too. (laughs) Yeah, we're not rubbing it in. We hope it doesn't come across that way. We're very, very fortunate. We understand that our whole goal is to help you guys who are listening travel in the way that does suit your lifestyle. Maybe that is a way like us where you're location independent and you can travel in essence as much as you want. It's not always as easy as that for us, but you don't have to be somewhere because of your work. Maybe you're like that. So maybe we're going to help push you into that location-independent lifestyle. Or maybe you're someone who does have a job at home or a house at home and you can't travel all the time and that's fine. But hopefully our experiences can help you get the most out of whatever time or money or whatever you have to travel and make it the best for you and your specific situation. Yeah, I think that's exactly right, Trev, because, you know, we have these great experiences and, you know, a lot of it's mindset. A lot of it is, you know, who you're with, what you're doing. But hopefully our experience can help you even decide to maybe visit that area. And, you know, of course, we're always welcoming emails. So if you do decide to go to a place that we've mentioned and you want some more advice from, you know, a firsthand experience, we're always happy to share. Yeah. And that's one of the new things we're building out with the site is actually travel guides for places we have gone. And it's just 
basically, if you've been to Wiki Travel, we're doing that for different cities and regions we've been to, but it's all our experiences to help people who are set emailing us a lot saying, hey, you went to Prague. What should I do in Prague? Or you went to Berlin. What should I do in Berlin? And we'll have that kind of stuff on the website. And again, the whole point of the website and the podcast and everything we do is to help make your travel dreams a reality. So if you're listening to this and you're thinking, man, these guys get to do a lot of cool things, A, you would be right. And you know we are very fortunate and we do know that and we don't take that for granted. But B, we want to help you do the same thing. So let's recap for these guys then if they didn't listen to part one or if they listen to part one and they just forget, yeah. what were some of the things that we mentioned? So Heth, what was your number seven? My number seven was when we rented a motorbike and we were scooting all around the Ubud area of Bali Indonesia, kind of the interior of the island, throughout the jungles and the rice fields. My number seven was when we went to the Botong Waterfalls in Chiang Mai, Thailand, also known as the Sticky Waterfalls or Spider-Man Waterfalls, because for some crazy geological reason that I don't know, these waterfalls, the rocks are sticky and you can literally climb up the sides of waterfalls and not slip. Pretty amazing stuff. My number six was just our whole experience. Well, actually not our whole experience in Paris, because as we mentioned in the other podcast, we had some bad experiences, but just the atmosphere of Paris and the one day that we rented the bikes and just well, kind of explored on and two wheels. Also, it had been your number one destination that you want to go to for basically your whole life. So just kind of getting to go to that number one place, that thing that you held up on a pinnacle for so long. Yes, exactly. And I did tell a funny story about losing my wallet. So if you're interested in that, it did turn out all right. But go listen to uh, part one if you want to hear about me doing something really dumb. Um, my number six was the castles that we got to visit in Slovakia and the road trip that we took through Slovakia to go to Bekov Castle, Bonise Castle, and also getting to see uh, Bratislava Castle right in the downtown there and getting to experience a real, true Eastern European city and region for the first time and an Eastern European beer hall. It was everything I always imagined it would be. Fabulous. Wow, you are one lucky guy. I love Eastern Europe. I'm an Eastern <laughs> European boy. You're a Western European girl. We always say that, right? But it's true. And we, you know, we meshed and we both enjoyed both aspects That's of right. each part. I like when it's cheap, though. <laughs> Everybody knows that trap. <laughs> My number five was making pizza in Tuscany and just all the amazing food experiences we had there in our beautiful farmhouse that we rented for two weeks. And Heather did a post all about our pizza making experience there. So check that out. Lots of cool pictures. It will make you fantastically hungry. Yes. You'll definitely go get pizza after you see that. My number five was going to the Great Wall of China and going to a region or an area that wasn't Badaling or Mutanyu, which are the popular ones, but getting driven out to a remote area of the wall and literally having the entire section of the Great Wall to ourselves. It was like being an ant, as I said before. It was like being an ant on this amazing man-made structure. It was, it was insane that there was no one else around and we could see 50 miles of the Great Wall and we were the only people. Yeah, it was it. a little bit surreal. It was like being on another planet. Is or the closest I've come to thinking, I feel like I'm on another planet right now. My number four, and this is where we left it, was just exploring the city of Berlin. We rented bicycles and we were there with our, our two bestest travel friends. So that made the experience really amazing, just kind of exploring Berlin and it exceeding my expectations because not that I had really low expectations of Berlin, I just didn't have any expectations. I never really wanted to go there and just seeing it, learning more about the history and delving into the great food scene there was so much fun. I Ber would go back. Berlin rocks. It does. My no All right. So now we're getting into the new stuff. So if you did listen to last time's episode, there's a little recap for you. Well, here we go with the new stuff. My number four, going to a Hayduck split game. If you don't know what that is. <laughs> I'm going to assume most people don't. Unless to be you're honest. huge soccer fans. This was an incredible experience. For those of you guys who don't know, I love sports and it might actually, you, you might not know it even if you've been following our website for a while because I, I used to be a sports fanatic and I still am, but I just have cut back on it some. I don't know. It's taken a different 
role in my life. Well, if I may interject, I was just talking to one of our friends who has known you for a long time, Val, actually your cousin. And she said, you know, I'm so surprised that Travis isn't as obsessed with sports as he used to be. And then she's like, well, he actually just got a new obsession and it's it's travel. So you kind of replaced. Yeah. And I actually, <laughs> I want to start doing more sporting events when we travel. I've always wanted to. I just, for whatever reason, haven't gone out of the way to do that all the time and we do find ourselves doing it here and there but this was one of the examples we were staying in split croatia for three weeks we had rented an apartment split was awesome croatia was awesome we're going to get more into that in a little bit anyway but i knew then i said you know i'm going to look up their soccer team they've got to have a soccer team and it turns out that they have one of the they have the most popular soccer team in all of croatia and they actually have the oldest fan club in all of europe they were the first european team to have a fan club so i was like all right this is gonna be really cool let's go to a game so our two british friends came and visit us in split and i was like this is perfect because you know she loved man U, and we're like all right we're going to a soccer game we're a football game so we get tickets to this Hayduck split game. It's their last game of the season. And we go and we sit in the fan section. And Even, why did we sit in the fan section, Travis? Well, because I was like, I'm not going to a game and not sitting with the oldest fan club in all of Europe. I had no idea what it would be like. Although some people said, oh, it'll be a little crazy. I'm thinking, okay, yeah. you know, what does that mean, right? And Whatever. Even when we walked up to the ticket booth, like before you get into the stadium, and we said that we wanted to sit in the fan club, the ticket agent was like, really? Well, she could tell. Do I mean, you really? <laughs> like we were out of town. Ta- I mean, we obviously weren't locals. And so she, yeah, she was a bit surprised. And so to describe the fan club, Heather and our two British friends were by far the best dressed and they were <laughs> just because they weren't wearing sweatpants probably. Well, for those of you wondering, I well, I didn't know what to wear to a game, but I just assumed I was wearing white jeans, sneakers, and a denim jacket. I was way overdressed for this game. So to get into the fan club section, it is literally not roped off. It is barred off. They lock you in. They basically cage you into one section of the stadium so that you cannot get out of that section for the whole game. So you can't get in fights with the opposing fan club. Now, during this game, both teams were out of it. So the opposing fan club was all the way on the other side of the stadium. And there was only like 15 of them. But of course, the Hayduck Split fan club was going wild. And so you get... you well, get, th- And the reason they bar it off is because you can be as wild yes. as you want so to be. what I found out from talking to some people, I'm like, man, it's really dirty in here. I mean, literally cigarette butts like 10 deep. So you couldn't sit on the seats because they're covered in okay, cigarette butts. Listen, guys. Uh, yeah. The whole time, I could not sit in my seat, which doesn't matter because in no the fan club, down. everybody like, stands you basically, the whole time. You don't sit down during the but game. But even if you wanted to sit, you couldn't sit because it, the seats were so disgusting and if you think like i've been to a u.s football stadium before you know i've been to kind of a a dirty stadium doesn't even compare yeah (laughs) it's we're talking like so what they do is they don't clean the fan club after games for the whole season which is why they lock you and they just say we know you're going to destroy this so for a season we're not going to do anything so they don't sweep so literally it's like cigarette butts from like so you can months ago and you're you're locked in you're gated and in and you can't get out. You can smoke in there, but what you can't do is drink. So if you're thinking you can have just, you know, like a nice pint of beer while you're watching the football game, you cannot because they obviously you get the, the fan club gets so wild and crazy that they're not even allowed to. Drink. And if you we're talking about like the public area where you can sit, if you can only imagine what the bathrooms are like, I did risk that. I went down to the bathrooms. They're disgusting. But what's really cool is everyone is chanting, waving flags, going so nuts crazy the whole game throughout. I mean, it got nuts. So they're throwing they were throwing flares onto the field. They were lighting chairs on fire. Yes, but there it was, was all a, a literal. <laughs> fire in the fan club yes lighting chairs so i took a video we will post it in the show notes of this episode um we put it on instagram and twitter and stuff it was insane i have never been in anything like that i loved every second of it maria and martin and heather the three other people with it we're a bit less <laughs> shell shocked. I don't know. Yeah, we're a bit less into it. Um, but it was we, still fun. It was fun once we realized what we were getting into. But when, even when we first walked in, I was a little like, 
Are we going to get back. beaten yeah. up here because we weren't wearing the Hada with the Hada split jerseys or anything like that? So it was insane. I mean, literally, people lighting chairs on fires, lighting paper on fire, throwing it on the field. But it was all like I want to say good natured. It, it seemed it all seemed. in good all in good fun. I don't know why they wanted to destroy their stadium, but. I guess that's just kind of how they do it in Europe. So a Hayduck split game, if you get a chance to go, <laughs> absolutely insane. But just know, don't wear your best clothes because you're not going to be able to sit down. It was great. Yeah, wear sweatpants and a jersey. <laughs> yeah, there you go. And if they ask you, do you really want to sit in the fan club? Just say yes, and they'll think you're crazy, and you probably are. All right, Hath, move on to your number three. Way different than a Hayduck split Very different. Game. And and we're getting into you know the good stuff now, the, the top three for both Travis and myself. So my number three is the Yiping Lantern Festival. Now, this was in Thailand, and maybe you've heard about it because I can't believe this is only number three on our list, but know, it's so awesome. I know. It should maybe be number one. I don't know, now that I'm thinking about it. But this, I mean, the, the it's top... It's splitting hairs when you it get is. here. It is. I mean, the top three are really like they could all be one. The whole reason that we really wanted to go to Thailand this November was to attend this festival, this Lantern Festival. Mass release of those paper lanterns, which you may have seen before. It's and it's become a pretty popular event. We, the last time we were in Thailand, like two and a half, three years ago, we had heard about it. And I think National Geographic covered it on one of their magazines. And that's kind of how I found out about it. And I thought to myself, I have got to get here. Someday I need to get to this festival. So when we thought about coming back to Asia, Travis and I decided, okay, let's do it in November so we can be there for this festival. Well, finding out when this festival actually takes place is basically impossible. We researched it online. It's some cycle of the moon. So there's not like an actual date until it gets closer. And so we, we found online that it was supposed to take place on November 6th or 7th. So we decided to arrive in Chiang Mai, what was it, November 2nd? Yeah, 2nd or 3rd. Leaving us plenty of time to make it to this festival. And we didn't get tickets or we didn't do anything because there was not a lot of information about it. So we just assumed that we would show up in Thailand before the festival and then we would attend the festival. Yeah, and How wrong lo and behold, we? the festival <laughs> so happened at the end of October before we got there. Now, there are two types of festivals. One is the religious festival. And that is completely free. That's the one we missed. The other, and that one is not advertised really at all online. The other is a tourist festival, and it's a hundred U.S. dollars to get in. Which I mean, we would pay. I mean, reluctantly. But the problem was that all the tickets were sold out. So we arrive in in Chiang Mai, and our friends Tiffany and Chris were already there, and they broke the bad news to us that the festival had already happened, and that the other tourist festival was, was sold, sold out. out and so of course it was sold out because when we so what we decided to do anyway was motorbike up there and see if we could see it from the road and you know you, you still could see this mass release but you can't go in so we tried to sneak in and they said you know I just walked up to the gate and they said where's your ticket of course we didn't have it yeah, so like okay it. go on the other side of the river and you could stay there and you can watch from there but well the- heather is quite persistent and doesn't really I, she didn't want to miss it. And I'm glad that she was with me because I would have given up at that point, just watched it from the other side of the river. She was like, well, why don't we try to loop around the other side and maybe we can get in that way? And I'm like, there's no way. There's going to be someone taking tickets on that side. Like, They're not going to let someone into a $100 thing for free. But well, we could kind of scope out the scene from across the river. And it looked like there was a chance that they weren't really checking tickets from like the opposite side. Because who in their right mind would walk 30 minutes, which is what we're more, which is what we ended up doing, to sneak into the backside of the festival? Right. Except for people who then wanted to get in and did get in because then we were walking. And we just, I was like, all right, let's act like we know what we're doing. We walked by some people who had official looking uniforms on. They never asked us for tickets. And we walked right in. Now, we should say the whole festival is like, you know, you get there early and you get a whole dinner with it and everything and and you sit out on the lawn and, and have this picnic. You know, we didn't get any of that. So what we did was we basically came in for the actual ceremony of the mass release of the lanterns, which is what we wanted yeah, anyway. Yeah, perfect timing anyway, because we didn't really care about the other stuff. So we snuck in. It was absolutely cool that we, we snuck, snuck in. in. It was so fun. I was like so happy and relieved when we were able to walk into that festival because I was severely disappointed and felt a little bit idiotic that we didn't know that the you know, that we were going to miss it. So when we finally made it in, it was such an amazing, surreal experience. Literally thousands 
of paper lanterns. You know, you light these paper lanterns and you let them off. You know, they fill up with with the air from the from, from the, the fire, fire, and then they ju- and you let them off and they just float into the sky. And it's magical when it's- everyone is doing it at once. Uh, yeah, you can't describe it any other way than it's one of the coolest sights we've ever seen. It's just like you're you're staring up at the sky, and it felt like my mouth was just like my. My jaw dropped open. I was just like looking up in awe at this beautiful scene and just kind of makes you feel like, I don't know, like Who existential knew? or you, f- I don't know, you sit there and you dream or you think about whatever, but it was just really, really fun. Who knew that something as simple as, I mean, and these paper lanterns, you can buy these paper lanterns in Thailand to, to let off at any time. I mean, this was, you know, the big festival and they're, uh, they're doing it, but you've, you might've seen them on the beach. We've seen them on the beach in Thailand before, you know, any time of the year. And it's just so cool to see something, something as simple as a very thin paper lantern with a little fire ring that just floats up in the sky. I mean, it's like you can get them for 50 cents. They're just, we did it all. The, I mean, even after the festival was over. Yeah, we were like the last people we just kept, to leave. You know, they, were, they had thousands of them around. So like you could let off as many as you wanted. And they just kept asking us, like, you want to let off more? We're like, sure. I probably let off 50 paper lanterns that night. And every time it was beautiful and amazing. And when you're doing it and you look up in the sky, it's like a trail. Yeah, you know, well, cause because the wind then takes them. Yeah. And so they trail off through the whole you know, the whole town through over the trees and into the whole jungle. Yeah, it's just a really awe-inspiring couple of moments in your life. Yeah, so if you have a chance, the Yiping Lantern Festival in Chiang Mai, Thailand is Basically, amazing. your best bet is to show up towards the end of October, hit the religious festival, and don't pay the $100 for the tourist one. And if you are Googling it and you Google Yiping... Y-E-E-P-I-N-G or something similar to that, as opposed to just Lantern Festival, you will find more things. Um, but more they do not tell you when the religious one is because they do that on purpose. So you kind of have to be in Chiang Mai to know about it and get there. Yeah, whereas the tourist one is 100 bucks. I mean, even if you had to pay 100 bucks to do it, I'd highly recommend you do it. Yeah, if you could sneak in for free after you were told <laughs> you couldn't get in. Maybe that's even cooler. They so. they might lock down that, though, for the next couple of years. Speaking <laughs> of sneaking, and I did not know we were going to tell these two stories back to back until I just saw them on the notes. And you guys are probably going to think like we're bad or we're bad people or something like that. So please don't think that. But we stuck into a festival, the Yiping Lantern Festival. And number three on my list is sneaking across a border for the very first time illegally. It is illegal. And unintentionally. But totally unintentionally and not our fault. But we snuck across the border between Bosnia and Croatia. So you have to go across a border crossing between Through those customs. two countries. Right. Because Croatia is in the EU and Bosnia is not. So what happened was we had went into Bosnia a few days earlier. We had been in Sarajevo. On our way back into Croatia, we stopped in Mostar, which was cool. has a cool bridge in it and everything like that. And then we had the little the GPS on our phone telling us how to get back to Split, Croatia. Now, the problem with this story is that when we stopped in Mostar, we weren't exactly sure how we were going to get back to our apartment in Split. And we stayed for dinner and we decided that we it would... It got dark. It got dark. It was getting dark. Fortunately, the restaurant that we were at had Wi-Fi. So we decided to put in the address while we had Wi-Fi. And then when we left, not turn our phone off Google Maps. That way it would still stay on the Google map, like on the route itinerary. The other problem with this is that our iPhone battery, I think, was at 19%. Right. So So we were literally, it felt like we were in the movie Speed, right? Like we were racing against (laughs) time. Time. And... (laughs) We're like, we have to get across the border into a road we know before it gets to zero. Right. Like we knew as soon as we crossed over the border and we got into Croatia that we'd get just like on a super highway and we'd be fine. But until then, we we were in the back roads of Bosnia, literally through towns of no people. So it started getting dark. So we're climbing up these switchbacks. We're going up this big hill thinking like this can't be the right way, but it's the way the GPS is telling us. Rural, rural roads. And and we had, we couldn't, we had no other route that we knew we could go off. So it's not like even though we thought it was wrong, we could go anywhere else. So like, we got to follow this GPS. Total faith in technology. Yay. Hey, Google Maps. And so we. Except Google Maps really effed up because. (laughs) This is what happened. We then went 
the wrong way. We we knew we were going the wrong way when we basically got on a small dirt road, smaller than the big dirt road we were on. Well, we weren't on actually dirt roads, well, were we? We were eventually when we were going, and I'm like, I think that this is just going to end. Like this dirt road is That's going true. to end. We are literally coming up to someone's house and there's nowhere else to go. So we turned around and and we we're got like, back on track like 10 we, minutes later. 10 minutes later. And it was dark. It was completely dark. It was like 9, 930. And so we see a big road on the Google map and we like find our way back to that. And so cool. So then we see some lights up ahead and we're like, all right, that must be the border crossing. And it was. So we're we're like, this is great. We're safe. We're getting out of Bosnia. We're going to be getting into Croatia. Once we got across the border, there was a highway right basically on the other side almost. So we get to the border crossing and... It's closed. It's closed. I and don't not know. closed like someone's there saying you can't go through. Closed in the fact that a, there's... Like abandoned? I don't know. Yeah, there's no one there. And there is an arm across the road that... You cannot go like you couldn't go around it. There was nowhere to go. It's just it's just a little arm like you have at a toll booth that wouldn't let you go through with a cement block on the end of it. So you couldn't like lift it up because it was really heavy. Right. And then they had a, a rock like this, this kind of like rock on the other side. So I'm like, well, we have to go through. I mean, because I don't know. We have no other choice. We're in the middle of nowhere. We're on like a mountain. Yeah, we literally. We, there's no one around. We we don't know where we are if we turn around. So they had this like barrel. I shouldn't say rock. Like this barrel that I thought was going to be like very heavy. So I get out to move this barrel to think maybe we could squeeze the car by if I move this barrel between like the arm and then there was like a trailer. There's like which, a guard shed or like yeah. a guard trailer and and the back of the arm. And so I like lift this up and it's. It's basically like a paper. I don't even know. It was the lightest <laughs> thing ever. I'm like, all right, well, this isn't all right. So I throw that to the side. And then we have to try to get the car between the guard station, the the shack, not shack, the trailer, and the, you know, the big Cement. concrete block that's on the end of the arm, on the back end of the arm, because we can't go where the arm is because it's blocking the, the road. And so Heather's like, there's no way you're going to get there through there and i and, i'm I like mean, we, yeah you're right there's no way we just felt trapped and we're trying to like remain calm and not like freak out because we're literally in such a desolate area i don't if anyone has ever no seen options. if anyone has seen austin powers when he tried i don't know which one is when he's trying when he's trying to move that little thing and he's doing like a million point turn so i'm trying to get around this thing and we're in going in a rental car in a rental car and heather says like you're going to hit the trailer so i'm going inches i'm moving inch by inch by inch so we have to put the window down because then the cement block is actually sticking into <laughs> the car like into the car like through the window and i'm trying around. to maneuver this car around and, and i'm outside the car like shooting directions like okay you're this close okay stop no back up and i'm like like trying i was thought, i thought i was gonna cry and it was of like course so it's so stressful it's a manual so you know i'm giving a little gas a little <laughs> gas a little gas backing up and we're she's like you're gonna that. hit you're gonna hit the the trailer and and then i'm i look out my window and i'm about two inches from running right into the side I of this think trailer it might have been closer and than that. the the cinder block thing is in my window so i can't go any further <laughs> in the passenger window in the passenger so we're just we, i kind of like turn us around it like we we somehow bend around that the cinder block thing actually ends up scraping the car a little bit but we we actually got through i again i don't know how it it took me about 30 minutes to go five feet and around meanwhile this. in my mind i'm imagining like a scene from a movie like helicopters and like cars coming in and like converging on us you know just at the last second to like take us to jail or something because we're illegally sneaking across a border right between two countries who but, you know, didn't really like each other for a little while. Like as soon as I got the car out, Heather got in the car and she was so happy. And I was so happy. And we were just like yelling. We're like, yeah, yeah, we're stuck across the border. You know, we were just going nuts. And like, then I was like, let's get out of here and get to the highway. Because I was so paranoid that, you know, somebody was going to show up. Right. And I and then it was even funny because so we got out and we're like, okay, great. We're in Croatia. We snuck across the border. This is an amazing story. Then we were a little worried that if they checked our passports too closely when we went to leave Croatia, and, and we had a lot of stamps in there, but if they looked too closely, they would say like, well, you went 
out of Croatia into Bosnia and then you you never never came back into Croatia. So there would have been a way that they could have told that we had snuck back in. No one checked our passports. But that was just a crazy, crazy experience. We're not really doing it justice. If we had a video, it would have been the funny. (laughs) You guys would have watched all 30 minutes of me trying to get this car around this, this like (laughs) boulder. Oh, it was, it was so funny. Um, and it worked out. And then they didn't charge us for scraping the rental car either because they didn't see it. So yeah, so all's well that ends well. So there we go. Sneaking into a festival and then sneaking into a border. Some of our top experiences. Heth, what's your number two experience? My number two is, again, biking. And I feel like I've mentioned biking every time, which usually is your forte. I'm rubbing off on you. So um, this this experience took place in Yangshao, China. And when we decided to go to a China originally, I, you were going to go with our friend Dave. And I was thinking, yeah, maybe I'll just skip it because I don't really care that much about going to China right now. It was going to be in February and March and thought it was going to be cold, whatever. Long story, we end up all three of us deciding to go. And we started the trip in Shanghai. Weren't that impressed. We got to the area of the Lee River and it's just such a very like a very cool place it's hard to describe like you feel like you're in jurassic park or some you know sci-fi movie because they have these like karsts all along the river these rock structures and they're just big limestone like mountains but they're more outcroppings they just they just kind of come up if you've ever seen stuff in hulang bay in vietnam that's what they are they're just these these straight up mountains and they're amazing yeah, so the experience we had, we did a little river cruise, I guess you could call yeah, it. Yeah, we did it. It down, was a river cruise. That's down, exactly what it was. Down the river, and you know, it was really surreal and misty and beautiful. And then we stayed at the end of that trip in Yangshao, like at the end of the river cruise in Yangshao, in like the countryside. And we rented bikes and we just explored all around these little villages with the cars rising, you know, above us. And it was fun. Yeah, I called this the best travel day we had ever had. When we did that podcast, uh, you know, maybe five months ago where we talked about our favorite travel experiences, this was actually my number one. And it was it was such a cool day because as Heather mentioned, we rented bikes. And so we're in the countryside which of China, which is way different than the cities, and we love so much more. You know, I wouldn't really go back to China if I had to go to the cities. They were okay to see, but didn't love them. But when you get out in the countryside, it is a whole nother world. And so we rented these bikes and we were just, you know, they they'd given us this little flip book of how to kind of take this route. And, you know, we got lost all over the place and we're biking through this countryside. You know, it's they, muddy. It's people kind have of... seen white people before, I'm sure, but it doesn't seem like it because every time they see us, they're, lo- they're staring at us, they're yelling. This one guy held up a chicken and just starts yelling at us like in a friendly way, like yeah, very excited. yelling, but just like kind of shouting, yeah, like, hello. And he just and... cuts the head off the chicken and starts screaming and yell like, <laughs> yes, if he was... Like know, putting on a show for putting us. Putting on a show and... We get to this place called Moon Hill, which is a huge karst that you can actually climb up, and they have stairs up to the top, but we're talking like a A thousand stairs. stairs. Oh, it was brutal. One of the hardest things we had done, and we get to the top, and then there's a path that says, don't go this way, but we had (laughs) talked to a guy who said, when it says, don't go this way, go go that way. Go up it. So Heather and I climbed, I mean, because it wasn't stairs anymore, you were literally then in on the karst and in the wooded in the area. Woods. And it had been raining for a couple of days, so it was muddy and slippery. And we started out on the path where it says, do not enter. And like, we're sliding. I feel like we were going to slide right off the mountain, but we persevered. And after that, it got a little bit safer. Yeah, we were kind scrambling of, over these rocks. Yeah. And we just kept going higher and higher. And you didn't know when it, it was, would end. And we thought, if we would have known, it would have taken us 30 minutes to get to the top. I don't know if we would have done it because we kept saying, oh, it's got to be right around this corner. But you're, it's such a dense forest and you're climbing up these rocks, you can't see anything it's, outside it's of your little view. It's not like a, a made path. Like It's just people have foraged through it themselves. It's not like a park ranger comes and clears it off. It's just... You get to the top, though, eventually, and you're on this these you know centuries-old rock formations, and you're at the top, and the only things you can see 
are all the top of the karsts and you're up for in miles. the clouds and you just see the top of the karst for miles it feels like you're in another world it's it's like nothing that exists in america and it's like nothing that exists anywhere we had ever been and so to get to the top of one of them I mean, it was cool to see it from the ground. It was amazing. The bike trip was amazing. But to get to the top of that car and know that we had done it only because some random guy had said, take the path that tells you not to take. And there had been no one else up there that day, I'm sure. Yeah. And when when we got to the actual top, I mean, it was just Travis and I up there and a couple of bees. But um, yeah. And Heather was allergic. So she was a little freaking out. I was. But we stayed up there long enough to, to snap a few pictures. And on the way back down, some other like foreigners were making the the trek to the top but yeah i mean it's very off the beaten path and it just made for a really amazing experience that i will not soon forget yeah that whole day was amazing and yangshao is a, a great area and we just that was a part of the day and then we just took the bikes and you know we got to this this river path and every time we went around a corner we'd see something more and more beautiful and it was just a yeah, really, the sun was shining all day long. And I should mention that we actually stayed at this really amazing guest house called the Giggling Tree. And the reason we found all of these crazy paths, which are very obscure, it would be very difficult to find. As Trav mentioned, they had made like a picture guidebook, like a flip book that was laminated that we took with us in our bikes. And we just like flipped through it. And it's literally pictures of the, the of them doing of this. them doing the biking trip and like, they're standing on the trail, like pointing, go this way. So we'd hold up the flip book and then look <laughs> past it, like, is this the tiny little dirt path? Wait, that tree looks out of place. It was I very mean, rudimentary, but, but super cool. cool. And it worked and it was just very fun. We felt like real adventurers that day. That's right. So Yangshao, China and that, and climbing up Moon Hill, one of the best travel experiences of our lives, let alone 2014. My number two is house sitting in Breckenridge, Colorado. And Heather and I were so fortunate to score this house sit. Breckenridge itself is an amazing town. But to get to stay in Breckenridge for a month in a five-bedroom mansion with a BMW, with a hot tub, with two really cool dogs, in, in a house that overlooked the town and would literally, if, if we were there when it was snowing, it was just ski in, ski out. So for us, we could take the dogs for walks on all the amazing trails right out the front door. It it was such a great experience. It was our first house sitting experience that we had done for someone we didn't know at all before. And it was fantastic. We had a whole month there. It was so much different than the traveling we had done before because we had done a lot of quick traveling through Europe in April and May where we had seen, you know, 13 or 14 cities in two months and China was a, you know, pretty hard traveling even though it was really rewarding. So it was really cool to go to an area that we had never been before, that part of Colorado in the Rockies. But get to relax. Yeah, just hang out there. I mean, we also did get a lot of work done. But this It was when we there, started Podcast Gluttony. So we were just recording podcast after podcast, which was really fun because we were in a really nice environment to do it. Yeah. And like Travis said, the view from that house was just incredible. And we did a lot of really cool drives. I mean, because we did have the dogs, we couldn't really explore overnight anywhere, but we were able to take a a couple day road trips. And those scenes... I mean, when we went just up, driving through the Rockies, Boreas Pass, Guanella Pass, and we went up to the Continental Divide. It's just really cool up there. I mean, it's really hard to explain. And the know, Rockies are beautiful, right? I mean, they're just they're beautiful. majestic. They're so tall, and I mean, we're from the East Coast, so we have mountains, but they're not big. They're nothing like being out west. And so, for us to experience that and to experience it also for free, I mean, free accommodations, it was a really rewarding experience. It was so relaxing for us and so exactly what I needed at that point. It just it came at the perfect point. We we took some really cool day trips, Heather mentioned, but even day to day, I mean just going down to the town of Breckenridge and going to happy hour and, and eating some really amazing food. But since it was off season, they all the restaurants were doing these really cool specials because, you know, they make all their money during ski season. So they you can eat at these really world class restaurants for pretty cheap. You know, we went to the Breckenridge Distillery, we did tasting there, we did Broken Compass Brewery. Broken Compass we love Brewery. It there. 
just amazing i mean and the luckily for us the aspens turned the last week we were there the aspens were turning colors they were turning yellow yellow colorblind so yeah turning colors (laughs) they were turning yellow i know they were turning bright okay and we got to go you know the aspens we were up in the woods so we just would take the car and we go down brace pass and just you know i was surrounded by yellow (laughs) aspens i would just hang out the sunroof with my head out the roof and just you're just Baller. you're just going down with these aspens these bright yellow aspens on all sides of you it was it was beautiful so we had a fantastic fantastic house it again it, like i said it was exactly what we needed the fact that we could stay in breckenridge for free one of the most expensive places in the us to stay for free in an amazing spot and just have a and really get to bunk down and enjoy it and not have to like run through it as a traveler, but get to spend a month there was fantastic. So we've written about house sitting before. If you guys want to know this experience, we did a podcast about it. We also did a post about it, about this specific house and and how you can get house sitting gigs and all this tips and tricks and stuff for that. So we'll link that in the show notes. But if you're interested in this type of travel, wouldn't you say house sitting is one of the best ways to travel not not just even on a budget, it's great because it's free, but just one of the best ways to have really to experience. great experiences. Yes. And since this is a, a podcast about our top travel experiences, it makes sense that it's your number two. Yeah. So I love house sitting and I loved our time in Breckenridge. Now we're at number one. And again, we said these are kind of like splitting hairs, but I do think that my number one and your number one, I these do stand out to me above the other ones a little bit. So, Kath, what's your number one? So, my number one is, and I guess I shouldn't just say the country name because you're kind of hassling me last time that it's about experience and not the place. But it would be our road trip down to Dubrovnik. So, we were in Croatia and we spent um, almost three weeks there. And to me, this experience is was my number one for the year because... I mean, we kind of, we'd wanted to go to Croatia. It was on our radar and we went and I just loved it so much. The whole country really resonated with me. You know, it's very coastal because it's kind of long and skinny, I guess a bit like California, you could say. So being there, we stayed in Split and then we took the road trip down to Dubrovnik and that road trip alone takes a couple hours. It's just a stunning road trip. You're along the coast most of the way. So you're glancing out the window and it's these beautiful ocean, but there's all these islands because Croatia has tons of islands. So you're just gazing at like green islands and ocean. And it was just a really fun day. We stopped off in Makarska. Makarska had lunch there, a beautiful little coastal village, you know, lots of beautiful buildings and the water is so crystal clear in Croatia. I've never seen water like this. Well, we we got in a traffic jam, not on this trip down to Dubrovnik, but on, on the, the way, way back. back. And I us- I say it's the best traffic jam I've ever been in my life because we got in a traffic jam. We stopped the car and they're like, yep, yeah, you're going to be here for like at least an hour and a half because there's an overturned tractor trailer up ahead, whatever. And right to our left is a beach. So we're like, all right, Drove like over. half a mile back to go to where you could get into the beach. Pulled over. Uh, we went swimming in crystal blue waters. And I'm just laying there on my back floating, looking up at the traffic jam. Like oh, I could see the cars going by and uh, and then stopping and people getting out. And uh, we I just laid there for an hour floating until I saw that the cars would then move. And then like traffic jam right, over. We got back in our go. car and left. So... Even when you get in a crappy situation in Croatia, like a traffic jam, it becomes awesome. It really was, it was just such a a fun time that we had there. Our experience was so amazing. We get down to Dubrovnik, which is, again, like a magical city because it's this medieval city that's, you know, covered with an exterior wall and they also film Game of Thrones there. So, I mean, it looks very medieval and we stayed right in the old city because we were only there for a couple of days and... You know, we wandered through all of the streets and we climbed up on the walls. And then the next day, Travis had read about these abandoned hotels that were along the coast south of Dubrovnik, these five-star resorts that were abandoned after the war and had been destroyed and bombed and nobody had ever renovated them. So they're just sitting there like these Prime real estate. I mean, you're talking right off the coast down from Dubrovnik where there's- Some of the most beautiful beaches. Yeah. 
And so I, we did some searching and the, some of them we found, we just went driving and then the, someone said, oh, there's a beach down here. There's a sign that said there's a beach. And we took a right and we went back and there was all these abandoned resorts back there. And Heather was a little scared. She didn't want to go in. It was raining. You know, it's a, it was, they're abandoned I mean, it for- was dumping rain. For 20 years, they've been abandoned. Yeah. And I mean, I didn't mind getting out of the car and we did go in, but then it was like so eerie inside and like things are falling apart and like we climbed up some stairs to the second floor. It's scary It was really cool, but you felt strange and you felt like, I don't know, like there's not ghosts actually, but you know, you don't know if the walls are going to cave in or the floor is going to come out underneath you because it's, there's nobody else there unless maybe there's some homeless person living. You can hear the waves just crashing right onto the to this the surf just crashing because you are like on 10 these, feet from yeah, the ocean you're in these hotels that are 10 feet from the ocean that are huge structures but they're all bombed out and it's it is pr- it's pretty surreal and there's one right near Dubrovnik that you can actually walk to that then we found that was the, the one Belvedere. people had mentioned called the Belvedere Hotel the ones we had found were a little further down actually yeah and we just accidentally stumbled upon yeah them. and then we went and found the Belvedere and that was really neat too and they had like this amphitheater right down by the water yeah I mean that one is built on a cliff overlooking the ocean. Right, and you can see Dubrovnik. The crazy thing is, is you can see the city right to your right and you can see all the cruise ships leaving, but you just have all these old resorts, five-star high-class resorts that are are done, that have not been renovated for 20 years and they're abandoned. And I just loved every second of exploring those abandoned hotels. It was was really fun. And one of the reasons why that experience was so meaningful to me is because I didn't want to do it. I didn't want to go to those abandoned hotels and it was pouring rain and, you know, Travis and I kind of got into a little tiff because I was feeling lazy. It was raining and Travis is like, don't be such a lazy traveler. Let's get out there and explore. And A tip, travel tip, <laughs> life tip, never call your wife lazy. Uh, never call her a lazy traveler. I made the mistake Especially of saying when she's trotting you're around being the world a lazy traveler and that but, did not sit well. But it did push me to get out you know, even though it was raining and the experience was so rewarding because it is something that you're not going to experience in other places and maybe not for much longer in Croatia, the more popular it comes, that real estate might just get bulldozed over and a new resort put up. But going to see those and taking the pictures and experiencing the, the really eerie feeling of being there, even more, like even like exacerbated by the rain that's coming down made it more like mysterious it was really really fun we haven't yet put up a post of those pictures and we probably should there are some on our croatia destination diaries or whatever we'll link that up but not a whole thing on the abandoned hotels yeah so i talked heather into that by calling her lazy traveler for (laughs) better or worse speaking of things that you don't want to do heather actually talked me into my number one so we Again, this is right by uh, Croatia. So from kind of building on that Dubrovnik trip, we took a day trip down to Coder Montenegro. And it's just the next country. It's a Montenegro is a tiny little country below Croatia. Coder is a town that our buddy Francis Tapon, who's been on this show and who wrote a book, The Hidden Europe, which I highly recommend to everyone all the time. It's fantastic. And he wrote about his experiences in Coder Montenegro. And when I told him that I was going to Eastern Europe for the first time, he said, just do me one favor, please go to Coder. And I said, okay. And a few other people told me to go as well. And so we took it as advice. We went down for a day. And it's really cool because there are these old walls. Montenegro is a lot different. The coast is a lot different than Croatia because it's a lot more like fords and like dramatic cliffs. Go. It just looks different. It's not as beachy as Croatia. And so we get there and it's pretty dramatic. And then up on the hills above Coder are these walls, like these old fortress walls leading up to a uh, a castle kind of. Um, some ruins of yeah, some Yeah, some ruins, I guess. It's not like a defined castle. And w- he told us to hike up there. And in Francis' book, he describes hiking up these walls, finding this old chapel. It was raining. He stayed the night there. It was like this awesome night of, that he had. So like, let's try to recreate that, although we weren't going to spend the night. But it did start raining on us, surprisingly. <laughs> and so we we hiked up these amazing this amazing wall all the way up the hill above Coder. And we get there and we see this window. And we look out through the window 
And, and by window, it was maybe one day a window, but it was just like an opening in like the rock wall. In the rock wall. And we look out and we see this church down there in this valley. And we're like, wow, we didn't even know there was another side to this because you can't see over the walls yeah, until like you get to the top. Yeah, we basically climbed the top of this mountain. And then if you go through the wall, you can kind of go back down into the valley and other mountains. Right. And we're like, this is incredible. Like we just happened to look back through this opening because someone had told us to look back. There's the church. That must be the church he's talking about. So we scramble down this hill. We go to that church. It's now raining on us. So we hide out in this super old church that's been there like a for- a little, yeah, like a what tiny is, little How chapel. long had it been there? I, I mean, don't remember. 600 years, 800 years. I forget how long it had been there. And we, we're hiding in there and it's raining and, and we kind of wait till the rain lets up a little bit. And we're going to get ready to like go back up to the wall and then, and then hike down. Eh, it's like an hour and a half hike down or an hour hike down. It's like, all right, let's go. And we see a sign that just says goat chez. They meant to say goat cheese. A <laughs> uh, hundred meters. And I'm thinking like where we had seen a house like when we were up on the walls, like kind of in the distance, but there was nothing a around. tiny farmhouse. And so we start walking away and, and I'm like, man, that'd be cool. We should go see that goat cheese. But like, let's just get going. And, and it's Heather like goes, raining. It's dreary. Right. And Heather, for whatever reason, says, well, your dad would go do that. <laughs> I, I don't, don't know, know why. why she said that. But he probably would, but I don't know where that came from. I just said... Because I think we'd been talking about your dad and how he probably would have liked that area of, of Montenegro. And- yeah. So when she said that, obviously, I'm like, we're turning around. We're going to find that Goches. And so <laughs> we turn around and we like, we hike up. We don't see his house. We're still going. Finally, we see it. And we go up to this house and a lady's outside. And there's like cats and a couple chickens. Yeah. And she doesn't... We say something to her, and she she doesn't really respond. She just walks in the house, but like kind of look like, like maybe like follow me. Motions for yeah. us to come so in. Like, so we go in. This could be weird. We, we, we don't know what to think. Yeah, we go in. It's a one room house, and we walk in, and there is a guy sitting at the table. There is a lady on the one couch asleep. Then there is a lady who motioned us in, and she sits on a chair. And there's like another guy. And so we're in a, a <laughs> one room, you know, it's probably like a 15 by 15 room with these people. And they just on their kitchen table, they have all this cheese laid out. And we like try to say, I'm like, oh, we just want to buy some cheese, but no one speaks English. Not really. So that buying cheese experience turns into an hour and a half of us sitting there in this house. The lady who had motioned us in was a neighbor, which we found out later. So she didn't even live there. And it was a... a, a, a Sister and brother who lived there, and then the brother's wife. So three people lived in this house. And again, one room. And they just sat... We sat there for an hour and a half, Heath. And they they were showing us their photo yeah, albums I mean, of their the, family. The reason we stayed is because they were giving us showing us so much hospitality i mean they made us coffee they gave us like a really yummy pomegranate drink all this is done by gestures there was yeah, a gestures they probably and, knew 15 words of english right so and we don't know any any serbia Croat. Right. so he, you know, they're like oh sit down sit down you know again this is all gestures but we take a seat and they start cutting us off cheese and giving us cheese to eat. So we started eating that. And oh, this is delicious. And it was. It was just fresh cheese. Then they, the guy says something about Rakia. And the only reason I knew anything about Rakia was the day before I had been on Wiki Travel about Montenegro. And I had read something about Rakia is a spirit, a spirit in the Balkans. And it's like homemade, basically like moonshine would be equivalent in the US. And that, you know, it can be very high alcohol content. <laughs> so he said something about Rakia, and I say like, yeah, sure. So he brings out three little shot glasses and a bottle of Rakia and, uh, you know, homemade. By the way, in beautiful crystal, like, glassware. Right, like servingware. In, in this, like, farmhouse. And he pours us each a shot of Rakia, himself, me, and Heather. And he's telling us that we should sip it. Like, don't down it. Like, you're supposed to sip it because it's very strong. So we say cheers and Heather then downs the whole shot I just open, in one go. Open it up and dump it down because I knew there was no way I could sip that. I would have thrown up. It was it, it was, was so strong. Pretty tough to sip. But Heather threw it down and the guy starts <laughs> cracking up and he's just going wild. Like loving the fact that she just took this whole shot down. <laughs> 
you know, I'm laughing. I'm like, I don't know what she's doing. And, and so we sit there and so she, she downs that and we're chatting with them. And then they're bringing out their pictures, albums of their whole family and saying like, this is my son. This is my daughter. You know, he keeps asking me if I want more Rakia. I tell him only if he'll have more Rakia. So like we're doing sipping shots over this hour and a half. I had four shots of Rocky. So did he, which was enough to really get me going. Heather, you mentioned like they brought out like this pomegranate juice. They made her coffee because she said she didn't want any more Rocky. Because well, one the of us one. had to drive right. in a couple of hours back to Dubrovnik. Which we explained so. to them by yeah, making a like miming of us of driving and they were <laughs> laughing. So, you know, I didn't want to drink anymore. And um, yeah, they made really nice coffee, like right on the wood stove. And that was great. They gave us the cheese. Then we ended up buying some cheese, of course. Well, and then we said we want to buy some cheese from you. And and they understood that we wanted to buy it, but they didn't understand how much we wanted. And they were showing. So what she did was called her daughter on her cell phone because her daughter speaks English somewhat, who lives down in the town of Coder. (laughs) So there I am speaking to her daughter and then handing her the phone every like second to translate. And we're just going back and forth, which was hilarious. And so we spent an hour and a half yeah, with these people and they did not want us no, to No, honestly, we could have probably spent the night there because we kept saying like, we have to drive back to Dubrovnik. And, you know, they, they were so friendly. It was such an interesting experience and really fun experience because, you know, here we are sitting and hanging out with people and communicating. In the middle of nowhere. Yeah, in just the most, like, simple gestures you can imagine. But it worked. Yeah. And and so, and they didn't want us to leave. They kept telling us, oh, it's raining. Like, don't leave yet. But I had to get out of there. I would have... I mean, we had to still hike back down the mountain. So I was four shots of Rakia in. And then we... That was a really fun hike down the mountain. It was wet and slippery, but I was having a good old time. Uh, No one fell. We were good like that. It was, I would say, the most authentic travel experience we've ever had. Because there's no way you stumble upon that. I mean, it was just so many different events led to us stumbling upon that house from us knowing to look through that window because I had read Francis's book to then us turning around, going to find that place, seeing that lady who let us in, the whole thing. Yeah, just being spontaneous. And I mean, even though the weather was bad, you know, the day before I hadn't wanted to do the hotels. And this day you were not like really wanting to hang out looking for goat chez on the side of a mountain. But You know, and that's why it's fun to travel with each other because on those days where you're not feeling like doing something, you know, one of us can push the other one to... To keep going. To keep yeah. on. And it, was, on. and it was neat because then we saw people as we were walking down who were coming up and we actually told them. Yeah, we're like, look through that window, go cheese. buy cheese. And and the two people, the family who we brought cheese from, whose names I wrote down and I can't, it's like Ratman and Ra- Ravia or something. They're both ours and they're giving us Rakia. So it was like three, <laughs> three hours. Well, I told her, the daughter, like, we're going to come back at some point. Thank you so much. We'll be telling people on our website to come visit you. You know, how much they understood, I don't know, but they're very, very thankful that we had come to buy cheese. And, you know, we left them like extra euros for all the Rocky, even though they wouldn't let us leave them any money. So as we were leaving, I like slipped it onto the counter and then kind of ran out without them seeing. But there, it was just fantastic. It was my number one travel experience of 2014 and the most authentic travel experience that we have ever had in our life, I think. Yeah, I think I would have to agree with you. And I'm, I'm glad that you brought it up. Yeah, and Montenegro, that whole area, as Heather mentioned, Croatia's beautiful, Montenegro's beautiful, the whole Balkan region, we really loved. Bosnia was great. We didn't even talk about Sarajevo. That I wanted to put that on my list. It just, I could talk about Sarajevo. I, know. I mean, and, obviously, we can talk a lot about our experiences. Yeah, so just a fun, fun area. And we are, as we've mentioned, we, we've said a lot, we are truly blessed to be able to do this. We know that's only because of the support of you guys listening to the podcast, the people who come to our site, of all the ways that we're able to help you travel and then the ways that you're able to give back and, and support the Extra Pack of Peanut site. So we know that we're very blessed to do it. We know that we're very lucky. We do not take it for granted. And hopefully, by us kind of opening up and talking about some of our favorite experiences, 
you know, you're able to do some of the same things that we're able to do, or you're able to do whatever your dream destination is. Yeah. And we are definitely grateful. And we've had so much fun with these podcasts in the year of 2014. And hopefully we can continue on in 2015. And it can be an even better year. I don't know if it's possible, but it could happen. It could happen. So let us know, guys, if you have awesome travel experiences from 2014. We know we're not the only ones who did. Let us know. You can leave us comments on the show notes for this episode. Again, you can listen to part one. You can leave us a comment on those show notes. You can get the show notes going to extrapackofpeanuts.com slash pods. That will have all the shows we've ever done. So if you do want us five days a week, you know, through December, we're only doing, we did two this week. Next week, we're going to take a little bit of a break as well and only do one episode in between Christmas and New Year. So we will be giving you one episode. That's kind of why we did longer episodes this time too. That's my excuse for just talking so much. Yeah. I mean, any excuse you need, I guess. Yeah. So we try We try to do some long episodes, keep it fun here. Um, I hope you guys do have a great holiday if you are listening to this when we put it out. Um, let us know though, the show notes, extrapackofpeanuts.com slash pods. Let us know some of your great experiences. You can also tweet us at Pack of Peanuts. And again, guys, we've had some amazing experiences in 2014. Heth, some awesome ones. Let us know yours as well. And we will be coming next week with one episode. You know, if you have time, if you are commuting, a lot of you are still working in between Christmas and New Year's, go check out some of the archives. We have some amazing, amazing podcasts that we've put on through 2014. I think we did over 100 episodes in 2014. Does that sound about right? Probably. Yeah, about 100 episodes, maybe 80, 80 to 100 episodes. A lot of good content there. So we really appreciate it, guys. Check those out. Of course, you can always email me as well with any questions or comments, or if I can help make your travel dreams come true, that'd be awesome. Trap at Extra Pack of Peanuts. So until next week, Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Happy holidays and happy free Free travels. travels.